Hi, everyone, and welcome again to the Rhythms Podcast. My name is Spencer Lohman, and I am the pastor of teaching and vision at United City in Greensboro, North Carolina. And I'm so thankful that you have taken the time out of your day, whether you're traveling to and fro or you are sitting at home or wherever you are listening to this podcast. I'm so thankful that you have tuned in today. My greatest desire for you is that you are formed and shaped in the way of Jesus to experience the unforced rhythms of grace, to experience the good life that Jesus offers us as prophet, priest, and king. And my hope in this time and season that we're in, that you are able to press deep into the Advent season. If you want to go back and listen to last week's podcast, we gave kind of a brief overview of the idea of Advent, and it simply means arrival. It is a season in the church calendar that kicks off the new year as we look at not only the first coming of Christ in the Nativity story, but we also anticipate the second coming of Christ and the renewal of all things, the consummation of all things. And we walk in this almost Lenten type season before we get to Christmas hoping and yearning and longing for Christ because of the darkness of the world, knowing that Christ brings light. And so I just hope that you're engaged fully and you're not sprinting to Christmas Day, that you're not just asking how many days until Christmas, that you're fully pressed into the Advent season that we are in. And of course, Christmas will come. December the 25th kicks off the Christmas tide season for 12 days. But right now, my hope is that you are walking very slowly to that moment. If you appreciate this podcast, I also would encourage you to subscribe or follow or give us a review, share it with a friend. We just really hope and desire that it is a blessing to you. Today uh, is the second week of Advent. It kind of kicks off the second week of Advent here on the Rhythms Podcast. And last week we talked about hope and uh, the idea that we should as people as human beings put our hope in the eternal triune community called God. We can't put our hope in things that are temporary. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I just think that's so true. And this season of COVID-19, this 2020 time has exposed all of our hopes. And so the practice was to examine our hopes. Where do we put our hope? What keeps us going? What is it that drives us to wake up in the morning and to get going? and to look intently at the places where we put our hope. This week, we are going to examine the second theme of the Advent season, which is love. And just recently, I was watching television, and on the television came a commercial from a New York Life Insurance Company. They have this new commercial out. Maybe you've seen it. And on the New York Life insurance commercial, they walk through the four different Greek words for love. And if we're honest, we hear this word love thrown around everywhere in the culture. It's almost like a commodity that we toss around in conversations. We love this. I love that. And it spans in so many different areas of conversation. But in this commercial, it broke down the... uh, historic understandings of love in antiquity. Those four different types of love are 
Storge, phileo, eros, and agape. Storge is a family love. It's the love between a family, maybe a father and a son or a mother and her children. It's a family type love. And then we have phileo, which uh, when we think about Philadelphia, Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. And this type of love is a friendship type of love. It's a brotherly love that we have between our friends and those we have deep spiritual friendships with or just have common interests with. That is phileo. And then there's eros. And this is the one that we as a society have monetized and have idolized for decades. It is a romantic type of love. Does it exist? Absolutely, certainly it does. But it is not the pinnacle of love. It is a love between a husband and a wife. It is a romantic, deep, and intimate type of love. And then we get to the pinnacle, the ultimate love, which is agape. And agape is rooted in the unconditional love of God toward us, towards creation. God's base emotion toward us is love. We've all heard it said before that God is love. He is the defining person of love. He gives us an understanding of what agape actually is. He helps us to get a clear picture of what agape played out looks like. And for many of us in society, we have maybe leaned on the side of using the phrase, God is love, but what we oftentimes mean is that love is God, and that simply is not the case. We cannot worship the concept of love. We worship a God who is love. The fundamental element making up the Trinity is love. You know, I think about John's gospel account, and you could easily define John's gospel account as a gospel of love. Think about John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We see that in the Advent season. We see in the darkness the cry for agape, the cry for love. Dr. Chris Bounds, who is a theology professor at Wesley Seminary and someone who I have gotten to know recently as a professor of mine and as a a pseudo-mentor, you might say, he says that love has two parts. Those two parts are desire and decisions or will or choices. So love, agape love, has two parts, desire and decisions. There's a desire for oneness. At the end of the day, there is a desire for union, a desire for connection. And we see that with God's desire for humanity. He has a desire for oneness. He has a desire for reconciliation. He has a desire for union with us, as well as a desire for oneness with others, with our neighbors, with those around us, with a union and a a sense of communion with those around us. When we think about community, it is rooted in the concept and the reality of communion. Um, So we have desire. Love must have desire, as well as decisions. Uh, Decisions and choices that bring about oneness and union. 
Our decisions oftentimes speak to our desires. And so love requires both of these. When we have a desire for oneness, that would be made manifest in our decisions and choices that hopefully bring about oneness and union. Dr. Bounds mentions, love does not settle for anything less than true union. Love is rooted in relationship. Love doesn't exist outside of community and oneness. Love doesn't exist outside of connection. And I love this quote from Dr. Bounds, where love does not settle for anything less than true union. M. Scott Peck, who is a Christian psychiatrist, wrote The Road Less Traveled a few decades ago. He has a fantastic definition of love that I want to share with you all as well. He says that love is the will to extend one's self for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. Love is as love does. Love is an act of will, namely both an intention and an action. There we see again the connection between desire and decision. Will also implies choice. Decision, friends and family, when there are decisions to be made to love, that implies choice. We do not have to love, he says. We choose to love. We choose to love. Now, I want to read for you all 1 John chapter 4. And in 1 John chapter 4, the same writer of the gospel, according to John, writes this letter to the greater church and just expounds upon this idea of agape, love. So I want you to listen in to the words of John here from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. Dear friends, Notice, he's starting out with language of union, language of relationship, language of connection, language of community. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. God doesn't come from love. Love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Sounds like he's repeating that famous John 3.16 verse here in 1 John 4. And we see this in the Advent season. This is how God showed his love among us. That he sent his one and only son into the world, into a manger, into the darkness that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning or as a redemptive sacrifice for our sins to bring that union, to bring that oneness. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Love requires one another. It requires communion and connection. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. And here's the famous line, God is love once again. 
Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. There is no anxiety in love. There is no loneliness in love. But perfect, complete love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Strong words there from John. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Love for God is intricately connected to love for others. It's also connected to desire for oneness and union and ultimately decisions that bring about oneness and unity. In 1 Corinthians 13, we have the very famous love chapter. And so often we hear it at wedding ceremonies, but I have to tell you, this is a call to a greater community. This isn't a marriage call. This is a call to the people of God in Corinth who are experiencing some relational disconnection and some disunity. And we see a manifestation of what love looks out looks like played out. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 through 7, Paul says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That is a manifestation of love. When we practice the way of love, that is what comes forth. And the advent of Christ, the arrival of Christ, both in his original coming and his soon-to-be second coming, must be understood on the basis of love. Love is and was the divine motive of God. It is only the love of God that motivated him to enter into this world and enter into the darkness. To love others, my friends, is to seek the goodwill of another. To love is to serve. You can't agape or agapao is the action tense of the word without serving, without sacrificing, without seeking the goodwill of another. That is what it means to love and to practice love. I want to close with just a couple of questions for you to ponder and to think about in this Advent time in the upcoming week. Where did I experience God's love this week? Where do I need to experience God's love this week? And how can I embody God's love this week? My hope and my prayer for you, dear friends, is that you would rest in the love of God. That he desires oneness with you. And he has made the decision to enter into this world, into this dark world as the light to bring hope to bring joy, and to bring peace. I look forward to our conversation next week on the Rhythms Podcast. Grace and peace to you all.
Thank you.